I was on the block at an early age. 40 cocked on my frail waist. Life on the line, I felt safe. Looking right in the hell's gates. The unfortunate holding my shirt, but I knew my worth. I just looked like I was fresh out of an orphanage. Uh, my mom did her best to keep me fresh. We was dead. Alright, alright, alright. Welcome to the Eighth Note Sessions. I'm Devin Mullen. And I'm Mike Shamil. And tonight we are joined by a mastermind producer. Uh, musician DJ uh, Beats Anonymous, Brennan A. Hall at uh, Bridge Studios. Thanks How for joining doing, us. Fellas? How are we doing? Good, beautiful, good. How are beautiful. You? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Good. So I, uh, I wanted you to come on the show today because I had had a, a wonderful experience here two months ago. Uh, we had seen Megan Jones, a, a, a past guest of the show, in her music video release party. Um, and I, I got talking to you uh, about your your life in music and the many different hats you wear. Um, so to, to sort of familiarize the audience uh, with who you are and your story, uh, to tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so I am, as I said, Brennan Beats Anonymous. Um, I am originally from Fredonia, New York, which isn't too far from here. Um, I moved to Buffalo in 2006. I believe uh, I went to from Fredonia went to Villa Maria for music business and kind of thought that would be like the master plan go to school for music business and then get that little degree and then yeah I got a job doing what I want to do mm, doesn't work like that nope so kind of went that route figured out pretty quick that the college route wasn't for me not saying that's a route everybody should take it works for a lot of people that just wasn't the one for me and um decided to take the money that I was going to spend on my next semester of tuition and buy some studio equipment and kind of figure out how to turn my hobby of making beats and like DJing in my bedroom into an actual thing rather than just like a bedroom hobby. And then, all right, now what are we doing? How, you know, how do I pay the bills off of this if I actually right. like to do it? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of, where that whole concept came from. And then we're sitting in the thing. I mean, you're, you're here, you're, you're doing it. This is the intersection of so many different artists and engineers and, uh, I mean, graphic designers, cinematographers. I, I, a lot of people come through here. Yeah, we, I would honestly say anything music uh, or truly art-related, uh, we have affiliations with that or it can be done here. People do music videos here. We have people engineering here. Last night we were here until... I believe like four in the morning doing a house remix. Um, like, so we're not just purely hip hop R&B here. We do all types of music. We've even had people call from California and do voiceovers. Okay. And that yeah, is really that's wild. Great. Like, yeah, it's cool. Like they called and they're like, hey, we have a client out in Buffalo, but we have to coach them. So we're going to call via this like weird app. I forgot the name of it where they can tap in and hear my sounds and then they can coach their client in my studio live while I'm recording their like voiceover commercial pitches and things like that. It was a pretty unique thing, but we do a lot of really cool and unique things here. And like, I love it because back then the goal was just to open up our like hip hop recording studio, make money, make beats, you know, the things that we think about music scene and all that. But like, I learned so much more that comes along with it. And well, I, I mean, there, there's this huge component of the business side of it, which is very challenging for someone who's grounded mostly in artistic expression. To like, I, I struggle with that because I'm, I'm more about the, you know, the poetry of lyrics and the, okay. the feelings that come through in songs, and the, you know, the nuts and bolts, styles and sense part of it. That's that's a blind spot of mine. 
So you, you need that that synergy between different you know mindsets. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and that's something I actually truly struggle with. I'm kind of struggling with that with the last year. Truly, um, I've had the studio here in Buffalo for I believe four years and some change, and I'm trying to expand the spot. And with that, you know, you kind of got to hunker down on the business end of things rather than the creative end and get your business plan projections and all that fun stuff together. So, you know, doing all that, that wasn't really my wheelhouse as a creative kind of took away from my creativity because it was like, all right, let's get to, you know, the left brain, right brain thing. I was like, all right, let's start crunching numbers and doing all this dumb stuff I don't want to do. But long-term it will take us to where we want to be so I can do what I want to do more with more people more freely, more often, things like that. So you know, it's, it's funny that you brought that up because actually one of the questions I have for tonight is, you know, how do you balance that, you know, between being a creator? Because I know you have a history of producing music for other folks. You know, I've seen some of the music videos that, you know, have been shot. One of them was shot here. And, you know, that, 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 that there's, there's this dream that a lot of musicians have, I personally do, of having my own creative space so I could just kind of hide away and make stuff all the time. But you have to also pay the bills. And, and how, how do you find that to be really difficult to, to balance? I mean, what, what, are you, what have you learned to try and make that, that happy, that, that balance? Um, so truly I just recently in the last like month or two began to get over this hump. I'm still kind of struggling with it, but I'm at like the 40% threshold. I'm almost at the 50. Once I get over there, I'm good to go. You know what I mean? Like, but, uh, I would just say what I honestly had to do was like, I owned a recording studio in which I knew was people were here creating all the time. So even if I wasn't here, like I would do a lot of my work from my home because it's like, all right, such and such engineer has a session with this person. There's no need for me to be there. But technically, why not be here? Be around the creativity because that might help me drive some or create, you know, spark, some spark in my mind. That's like, you know what? I want to create something that was like that or even something that was totally different than that or whatever, you know? And I think me kind of removing myself from the creative habitat and doing a lot of the work from home. And that kind of goes along with the whole COVID thing and everything, because that dynamic shifted a lot of everybody's life, not just me. But um, that whole thing kind of like made everybody a little bit more introverted, I would say. Absolutely. So like I was comfortable working from home. And then like a couple months ago, I was like, Brennan, like you have everything you wanted 10 years ago. Go freaking do it there's hours available even if it's at three o'clock in the morning lose some hours so um there's a line um on the album from the roots uh undone album where he says i lost a lot of sleep to dreams and that's something i kind of live by i've lost a lot of sleep to dreams i have dreams that i'm chasing and i will lose a lot of sleep to acquire those dreams so I've lost a lot of sleep to dreams. So I sitting there and I was like, you know what? I do have this spot. Let's just start going to the studio at 11 o'clock at night, 12 o'clock at night, three o'clock at night, whatever. Staying until five, six in the morning or whatever. Seeing the sun come up seven o'clock in the morning, even longer sometimes. And 
sadly, it would be like, all right, yeah, I'm only sleeping for four hours today because I still got a business to run. But it's right. like, yeah, I'm getting up at noon because my phone's going crazy already. <laughs> but that's <laughs> hey, kind of... can I book some time? Yes, uh, yes. Please go on the website. Yes. <laughs> book online, everybody. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of what it was, was just forcing myself to do it. Like after I started coming in here more and more, like at first I did start making, like I have a creating spot in my house, but it's not the same as here. Right. So like... I was, you know, all right, let me get my hands a little wet at my house making beats. And then it was like, all right, I don't really love these. Let's get back into the big speakers at my studio where I can make the, as much noise as possible at four o'clock in the morning without anybody complaining. And being here has kind of helped me get into that creative space where it's like, all right, last night's beat was actually dope. Let's go back tonight and make something that's dope again. Whereas, you know, I wasn't making anything, so I wasn't inclined to do anything because i wasn't doing anything so sorry for that long answer no <laughs> no, no it's a great answer no and i i mean you're, you're absolutely right so much of it is in environmental um you you need the proper space to have access to the generative thought right. that that makes art and, and everything yes. and uh, i'm sure you know it's it's wonderful that you have access to that and and you're you know incredibly talented incredibly thoughtful and knowledgeable on on how the industry works and how music works and everything so how how does that stuff sort of hold up in in the broader cultural context of of where we live in buffalo where stories like that aren't so common and accessible for folks most often um or, or that's what it feels like yeah, um, I've even struggled uh, with that whole situation. Um, in 2000, I believe, 12 is when I first opened, like, a studio to the public rather than just, like, my friends. And that was because of kind of what you're saying. Like, the demand was there. There was, at the time, I want to say maybe, like, three, four quality studios in the city. Um and everything else was pretty much like, yeah, I'm recording in my friend's bedroom. Yeah. Yep. So it was just like, hmm, what can we do about this? So like, it took me years to kind of like open my spot. Excuse me. But um, I think like you were saying, like the access to even having quality, not just quality, but a safe, vibey, comfortable space, space to create um, is definitely essential and like the access to that really hasn't been there too much in Buffalo until recent. And I don't want to say like, I'm the only person doing it. There's a lot of different studios out here that are doing things, sure. but like, we're definitely doing it well among the people that are doing it. There, there's a lot of, of vitality. Yes. Like, yeah. And I honestly, I, I'll be a hundred percent honest. I go to cities and when I go to cities, I say, okay, I loved what I just saw here in this studio or at that show or whatever, and what do I do? Bring it back to Buffalo. So when people see us do things at Bridge and they think it's a good idea or whatever, and they utilize it or try and do it at their spots, I don't care, go for it. That just helps the other artists in the city and helps the access problem. If somebody thinks like, oh wow, Brendan's got a crazy idea with the 24 seven recording studio model, if you can pull it off, go for it, do it. I would love for their we're pretty busy here. We're probably booked out uh, about a week in advance in the summertime, um, sometimes two weeks in advance. And that just means we're getting to that point where is it going to be an access problem again, where people are like, oh, okay, 
I love what Bridge was doing, but now where are we going to go? Because they're booked solid. It's it's an interesting thing because I, uh, you know, I, I mean, this is my hometown and I, and I don't mean any, any disrespect to my hometown, but I've heard Buffalo described as a black hole before. And it's, it's interesting the, the sort of process of growth you describe with your studio because you have to take lessons from other places that do it slightly differently to different mm-hmm. effect. But in our pre-interview conversation, we also talk about how there's a real uh, sort of change in orthodoxy of how artists and creatives are supporting each other, going from yeah. this sort of individual clawing their way out of their their individual difficulty and all hands sort of lifting each other up. Yes. So I, I imagine threading that needle because when, when you're out and about, I mean, there, there's enticing stuff out there. Sometimes you just want to bolt for it, but you got to, <laughs> but you know, you got to come back here. Right. Absolutely. How, how do you navigate that? Um, I think, and I'm not trying to say I'm the most seasoned or like traveled person, but I think since I have spent like time in New York City and like I've every t- like before COVID came along, I used to go to A3C and South by Southwest and all the other different types, CMJ when CMJ was around and different music fests that like I understand that like all those opportunities are out there. But sorry to keep going back to this COVID thing that we've learned, like a lot of this stuff, especially in remote or in the audio world, we can do remotely. So, like, unless it's me actually having to physically be somewhere to, like, play or record somebody, why not be in Buffalo? Where, A, the competition isn't as thick. B, it's affordable. C, that that affordability allows me to make my dollar work farther as well, which is a huge plus. You you do have to be at a certain initial amount of capital though to, to see that because I, I feel it's like that unless you're below a certain point then you can't breach the gate yeah I would say and that's kind of what you I you know what I mean and that's what me going from like 2006 to 2013 as just like a producer where I was just collecting my own production equipment and things and I was like okay I got a good stable of production stuff and then I was like all right let me start recording artists so I can get people on my beats and then five six years later I was like you got a lot of equipment and that's kind of when it was like you reach a critical mass and you can i can open a bridge studios now because i have everything that's needed but there's only one of me so it's like we were saying i can now give opportunity to other people and have other people come in and it's not just my i consider bridge studios like my man cave in a sense it's not just my man cave it's all of our man cave you know like and not just to call it a man cave it's our Uh, our, a person cave it's a person cave yeah Yeah, it's our it's a place for people to like get down and just create vibe like when clients come here they literally come here and make it their own like hey can we show up 15 minutes early so we can bring in our drinks snacks food hey it's your event you want to put up the sign, put up the sign. You want to, you know, do whatever you want to do. Like, also, leave me some snacks. Yeah, leave yes. the snacks. We'll, take, we'll clean up for, we'll clean for you. We'll clean up I got to have that pirate's booty. All right. Um, and and you, you sort of outlined some, some broader ambitions for the British Studios concept down the line. When, when sort of the, the success of it's outgrown uh, just this building. Yeah. Um, the, the way you described it was like a multi-purpose, cultural, concierge-ish 
kind of hub for uh, creatives who were visiting from out of town or people who came from different backgrounds who sort of needed to know what was up yeah. when they get to Buffalo. Um, so with that, like I kind of joke around every now and then because uh, we have a lot of uh, events here, like the one you were at with Megan, where there will be 30, 40, 50 people here. And I'll you know, take the pictures the next day from that event that Megan will post and say, Hey, last night at Bridge Studios Center for the Cultural Arts, we had this event. And we've slowly become more than a recording studio. Yes, that's what we do, Bridge Studios New York. But when we record the music or whatnot, um, uh, my, my guy, Terry King, he's come here and recorded comedy skits. You know, any, you can record audiobooks. We have people that come here and record all types of things. But when you come here and perform then, or record, you now have something that is going to be able to be listened to or performed. So why not gather at the place that it was created and show, hey, this is the room I was at when I wrote this song or recorded it in that room. Let's all come here and listen to it today. And I feel like that kind of, um, that kind of, uh, like communal experience. Yeah. It, it basically like, it allows everybody to understand, even if you're not in the music industry, what goes into it. Because a lot of people, like I'm sure that night you were here, you knew there there's some artists here. Oh, and yeah. there's some people that, you know, Megan just happened to know from maybe high school or work or something like that. They don't know anything about the music industry. So it's like, how do they understand, like, the culture of music or, like, what goes on behind the scenes, things like that, like... I love the ha the fact that we have a bridge studios where we can bring people, show them, hey, here's what goes on, here's how it's done, and my hopes are to, like I said, expand so we can have a place where people can come here and like, literally, if you're here for the weekend, you're coming to Buffalo for, let's say, a Griselda show. Everybody knows, you know, the Griselda shows are the big thing in Buffalo. Go to the Buffalo Kids store, things like that. Yeah. People come here on a Friday. If they come here and they don't really know what's going on, I would love to have a footprint where they can say, hey, you know what? I know uh, some of these guys that we listen to record at Bridge Studios in New York, and they have a cool little lobby where you can go buy their merch. We can also go buy their CDs, and they have information on where we can go eat, where we can go shop, A, B, C, D, F, G. If we want to go shoot a music video because we're artists ourselves, they can line us up with that. They can line us up with recording space rent them out of room for the day, the day or the night, things like that. So like, I really want to truly create a cultural center where everybody can bring it all together full circle. And I, and I mean, just, I mean, it's a, a real thin slice of film to look at, but just on that one night, I mean, I, I, I saw that happening in practice. It's, it's really, it's interesting because there's so many conversations about wealth and and racial equity that come up on on our podcast um, and an idea that kind of swirls around in the ether is the idea of having intentionally black spaces and you know uh, and a black economy and keeping you know the black dollar and yeah. black communities and yeah. all that and I, I was just curious I mean is this part of your your intentionality? with with how you do it or just a byproduct because because it's doing it and yeah. in a really healthy way it, it feels like um so i would say i don't want to say it was 100 percent intentional but it was definitely in the back of my mind to give people like me 
the opportunity if I could, if, you know, obviously if, if you're capable, I'm going to give you the opportunity because I personally never got the opportunities. Like I said, I came from Fredonia, New York. There's no studios out there really. So it was like, where am I going to go? Um, and when I came out here, uh, everybody was trying to get an internship at the one or two or three studios that were out here. Yep. So when I actually was able to open up a studio, I already had been doing my kind of thing for years. I already had a couple ideas of people I wanted to reach out to and say, you know what? I like what you do. And not just because you're a black man or, a, so we have six engineers here. We got four black guys, a Latin guy and a Caucasian fella. And all of them are extremely talented. So like, I love a diverse team in general. Like we have a, a female person who's going to come in intern with us this summer in the starting July. I think she, she's, she's on the fence. She's, traveling around right now yeah, busy good summer busy yeah, summer good for her. she's traveling so yeah. when she's done traveling she's supposedly going to come and intern here but um we just absolutely love to have like early where we're saying where it's not always accessible for folks that look like me to either a go somewhere and create that music then how are they going to get a job doing that if there's not a place where they can even go and record it. Right. Or, you, or so, even learn about the whole yeah. process. Yeah. So when I saw that, I kind of saw the necessity to give opportunities to minorities because sure, like in anything, you know, there's a reason that they have like um, the affirmative action, things like that, because they made laws that wouldn't give people jobs. And so I just wanted to make sure when I did do what I do with Bridge Studios and provide some opportunities for people that we provide those opportunities for anybody, but yes, also people of color. And honestly, I would, I'm looking for a female engineer. That'd be awesome. I would love to have a female engineer. I have to put you in touch with, uh, with Jam. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Jam's fantastic. That's great. Um, one of the things that we also touch upon in the show is, you know, building that music community. Cause you know, we've learned that that whole, you know, me versus everyone mentality really, it's, it's hard. It's, you take an uphill battle and you make it almost vertical, you know. But when people start cultivating that community, and there's so many talented people and creative people and people who just enjoy all the stuff that, that folks create in the city, that building that culture really does help build things up. It seems like you're doing a really important part of that, of that, you know, landscape of creating that space. Um, I noticed there's another thing that you're doing that part of that, this, this whole, um, you know, uh, sort of cornerstone you're building here on hurdle is you've also got your own record label. And, um, I saw one of your, when your label mates on there, uh, recently I ran into Genesis last week. Oh, okay. Yeah. They were playing, uh, right after my band, um, over at the South Buffalo porch fest. And in our last episode, we had, uh, interviewed the, the lead singer's cousin, uh, in the, uh, no label podcast. Uh, okay, so okay. it's, it's great to see just in like the oh, two All week span, <laughs> <laughs> like in a two week span, it's like, you know, I've just now run into, like a whole bunch of people who are movers and shakers in the local music scene and kind of supporting each other and now kind of getting to see a little bit of that, 
you know, for myself, like just organically yeah. on the field. That's really fucking cool. It is. Yeah. It's, it's honestly really awesome. Um, another person I want to give a shout out to right now is uh, Giovanni Centurion from Trend Up. I don't know if you're familiar with the gentleman. Um, uh, Trend Up on Allen Street. Uh, I think it's 85 Allen. Sorry if I got that wrong, Gio. But um, it's right next to Coulter Bay. Um, it's a men's fashion store. But Oh, I have seen that. Okay, yeah, yes. he's a really cool dude. Um, he opens up the spot for the hip-hop community, R&B community all the time for all types of events. So like the, you were just saying, like you saw Genesis. Um, I've had events at um, Trend Up. Genesis has had events at Trend Up. So like he's another person that's kind of like me who will throw their, their business out there to like connect the dots and like add to the culture and community as a whole. So it kind of becomes full circle. So it's like, I wouldn't be surprised in the next two weeks if you end up running over to trend up for some event or just, you know, shop. I, I have a feeling we're going to, we're going to run into each other at some point soon. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah just just yeah. an intuition. I don't know why. But. <laughs> and, um, I know the viewers at home can't really see, but like um, in the recording studio, we have the advertisement TVs um, that play, which are one of the um, promotional things that the individuals, my label offers. But Giovanni also has a TV at his um, his men's clothing store. And we also have a TV at Milky's. I have seen so the one at Milky's. All of our TVs, they so anytime somebody's in Bridge Studios, New York, those ads are playing. When you're at Trend Up, those ads are playing. If you're at Milky's, those ads are playing. And we have four more TVs in my office that we're ready to put into new locations. And that's kind of something that we do as well to add to that circle and sense of community and culture. So it's like, you go to this spot, you see the same faces. You go to that spot, see the same faces. You come to this spot, you see the same faces. So overall, longevity wise, when you're in Buffalo, you'll start to understand who the Buffalo artists are. And do, do you feel like that's a lot of where the, the battle is fought just for visibility? Ah, uh, in a sense, yeah. I would have to say that's kind of depends on your goal. Well, what's your goal? I personally, when I market my music, and I've only put out in the last two years, like five tracks. Like I said, my creativity has been really on a down slot. Like I've been done, <laughs> like it's bad, but I got to start putting some things out. But with those, like I'm not necessarily promoting to Buffalo. You know what I mean? So like, I think it's better as Buffalo artists to promote outside of the city to like Oslo, Norway or something like that, you know, like Florida, like don't promote to your own city because the chances are like with your algorithm, you're going to be promoting to all your friends. Right. And if you're a rapper in the town, who are all your friends? More rappers in the town. <laughs> yeah. And what are more rappers in the town? They probably don't want to listen to other rappers. And if they do, they're probably your friend. So it's kind of like, you know what I mean? It's like, right, right, right. You're, you're, you're kind of like fishing in your bathtub. Exactly. So that's my whole thing. Like I've always been like a proponent of not over promoting in Buffalo. I promote a little bit. If I have a hundred dollars, we'll say that I'm going to promote over a, you know, a full budget five to 10 at maximums going to Buffalo, probably not even 10, five. Well, that makes sense with the, your, your, you know, what you're describing earlier of, you know, people being able to, you know, the idea of, having people be able to come here and use this as like a launch pad for spending a weekend in Buffalo. And, you know, we have some more venues than we did for a while. Cause I remember when I got into the music scene and like, you know, in like the late aughts, 
like I felt like I had gotten into the wasteland because I grew up hearing about all the cool things people did in the late eighties, early nineties, you know, all the local legends yeah. playing at like the continental and stuff. Right. Right. And when I first saw the continental, I finally found it. They were fucking tearing it down. <laughs> oh, and the next okay. day it was a hole in the ground. I'm like, well, I'm old enough to drink here now. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're kind of turning that corner a little bit. You yeah. know, I noticed that Buffalo is starting to have, more venues. We're getting there. We still need, there's still room for more venues, you know, and more equitable, uh, equitable venues. Absolutely. And, you know, more non-traditional venues too, because like I used to like how in the infringement festival years ago, it wasn't just, you would go see a show at Milky's. Like oh, I could go wow. see a show yeah. at Milky's. What I liked is that there were times that some of the art studios and Allen would be hosting events. Some yeah. of the stores would be hosting events. There'd be a band playing in an alley next to a bar and they'd have like a cooler of like beer for sale. Right, outside. Yeah. And we kind of got away from that, but it's starting to come back. You know, yeah. people are kind of crawling out of their like, you know, post lockdown like lives because we all kind of hibernated for a bit out of necessity, um, and now we're kind of going okay. Like that sucked. Staying at home all the time kind of sucked. Not being able to share spaces and perform with people kind of sucked. And everyone's got this like fresh sense of creativity on how we can do better. You know, because we kind of everything got kind of like shut down and like came to a halt. Right. And now that things are starting back up, it's like, okay, like, well, that all fell apart. That all got fucked really it's fast. Restructuring. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, you know, since we're starting over, we might as well try and start over on a right. better foot. So speaking, speaking of restructuring, um, we, it's really interesting that your, your advice and it's, it's the common advice. It's the prevailing common wisdom where if you want to be successful in the music scene in Buffalo, uh, don't market to Buffalo. Do you think there's more to do with that than just like the, the socioeconomics of the city itself? Is there, are there racial elements to it? Is it cultural? Is it a question again of access to hip hop venues? Cause we, we talk about that a as lot on this podcast. The, like, promotional aspect? Yeah. Cause it, it sounds like um, you're, you're not getting a return on investment. I would for say it. as far as like, you know, It's a tough one. I would say it's kind of a hard question to answer, but like as far as the venues go, <clears throat> with hip hop, there's probably two venues that we can perform at Nietzsche's and Milky's, and then like a few different spots, uh, the Gold Nugget, you know, like different spots that like you'll have to go and drive to out in Cheektowaga and things like that. But as far as in the city, there's only the two spots, um, Nietzsche's and Milky's that I can really rely on. And, um, oh, wow. Ask the question again. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that was a bit of a curve. Just uh, with the idea of re restructuring, I'm, I'm thinking about the structure of, of society because that, that's an easy structure. We're, we're, <laughs> we're in it. Um, you, had, you had talked about needing to basically invest outside of the city to see return. Okay, and, yeah, I, and I yeah. was curious if, if you'd at all unpacked why that is beyond the fact that Buffalo on the whole is a pretty, pretty poor town, you know? Yeah. So, so the first part of what I was saying, I kind of remember what I was going with that. It's basically like with the two venues, if you're a musician in Buffalo and even anywhere, if you're a musician, you basically have 
not many ways to monetize your music today. Streaming doesn't pay that great. Piece you know, shit. it's garbage. Um, ask any artist right now if they'd rather stream, uh, have you stream their whole album once or a hundred times or buy it once and never listen to it at all. They would rather you probably buy it <laughs> once and not listen to it because <laughs> guess what? They made the more money. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> I just made more money than you just paid for like 500,000 spins basically if you bought one CD off of them. So that's kind of what the thing is. Like if you are going to promote in the city of Buffalo, you really don't have to spend money to promote to the city of Buffalo. You already, as an artist, should kind of have your people. You can post on your social medias and things like that. As far as like expenditures going, promoting online and things like that, promote to other places. Because I find if you get buzzing in numbers elsewhere, people are going to wonder why you're getting these numbers. And What's especially not if it's not in Buffalo. Like, what? What's why going is this on guy? Yeah, why is this guy getting so many numbers and he's from here and I never heard of him? Click, let me check out why. Okay, he's actually decent. But that's because he saw like, oh, I seen that guy at the store one day. You don't have to promote it to him, it's just gonna go on his feed through these other things, you know what I mean? But that's just kind of my own personal opinion, I would say. Like, there's no one right way to do it either. Like Oh no, no, I mean it's it's uh really finding your niche. That's, yeah. That's it. So, like, with the two venues in Buffalo, like, you can only probably do one show every two or three months because there's only two venues. Well, you don't so oversaturate it. Yeah, yeah you're going to yeah. go to Milky's every week? No. Oh. So, you can, you know, pretty much do one show every two months. So, that's six opportunities for you to pretty much sell your physical copies in Buffalo. So, why not? go online and create your own website or a uh, band camp and spend those advertising dollars elsewhere. Whoop, sorry, microphone. Just spend those advertising dollars elsewhere because, you know, my guy Columbus, uh, CG, I don't know if you guys know of CG. I know of him, yeah. He's, uh, he's got a band camp and, you know, people about, know about him in Buffalo. I don't really think he spends money on promoting himself, but he just posts like videos of him making beats and goes on live. That doesn't cost anything but he's got people from all over the world buying beats from him. This kid makes 25 beats in a night, but <laughs> he has, like, honestly, he sent beats the other day and he was like, beat two, zero, uh, six, seven. And I was like, why'd you name it? And I was like, wait, he sent three beats, two, zero, six, seven, two, zero, six, eight, two, zero, six, nine. These are in concession. So he just made 2,699 beats. Like, but that's my man. But, um, you know, like, that's the type of thing I'm saying. Like, he has people. The beat factory. He really is. But he has people in like Amsterdam and, you know, like I said earlier, Oslo, Norway. That's one of the places I like to, I kind of like advertise to the places I want to travel. That's kind of my secret. I'm not even going to lie. So that, should we so offer that as a show. tip? Let him know. have an excuse for vacation. Let him know. The vacation might pay for itself. And I'll even t go a little farther with that. I have a buddy who, um, I don't want to say this is what he did, but his lifestyle kind of gave me the idea. My um, roommate in New York City, his name was Mr. Green. He worked on a TV show or a YouTube show, I don't know what it's really considered, for Vice Noisy, where he went around and recorded street musicians all around the world. It was called Live from the Streets. Cool. He would take his little, you know, Zoom recorder and go up to the street musician. Hey, can I pay you a hundred bucks and go home and record and make a beat out of this? Sure. Oh. Goes home, makes a beat on it. Next day, he'll go and meet up with like ASAP Ferg and then they make a song out of it. 
And so with that type of stuff, he ended up getting like budgets to go to like Hawaii, like Venezuela, Brazil, like all these different places. And I was like, that is insane. And he would record those street musicians and stuff. And I like was talking to him one day and he was like, bro, I really never like promote myself in New York City. He's like, look where I am. I'm in these other countries. So that's where I promote. And I was like, bro, that's crazy. Cause you're literally traveling on vacation. And then you just go and do like a two hour set and then that you're good. That, like that didn't work. Yeah, yeah that's that, work, but it's not work. No, it's fun as hell. No, that, 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 that sounds that's like an life. adventure, and, yeah. and your adventure yeah. is feeling itself. You can bring your girlfriend, aka your manager. Like I need you to bring my manager. I this need is my social media my manager. manager. Yeah, yeah. I got it. My manager, my friend needs to come because they take care of my social media. Slash you know, yeah. slash. get a really ill writer, and then you know, get a really Keeps dope writer. And you're good. <laughs> yeah, for for tape, just to tape everything down. You know, those carpet edges, they get trippy. So, it's, you know, yeah. <laughs> That's too funny. All right. Um, so last thing for me, uh, and I, I appreciate you making time out of your busy schedule. Oh, you got you guys are booked to the gills. It, it was a yeah, whole ordeal getting the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, like I said, we're usually booked about a week out. Sometimes even later. Like I, I got to get a new phone. I got to just get a second business phone and turn it off at night. I have that little fake Google phone number thing now, but. People, please don't call me at four o'clock in the morning and ask if you can get in the studio at five in the morning. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> so, so looking looking back, you're you're an individual who's who's doing really remarkable things in a difficult time, it, because you're you're changing sleep for dreams, and I, I think that's something that we bandy about in our own minds, and, and but not not a ton of people find success in it. A majority of the people who attempt don't. Um, so I, I think there's, there's good reasons why. And I, I think partially it's, it, it's because of your natural talent, your openness, your, your, your charisma and your, your willingness to try new things and, and learn. So taking, taking that intellectual and like wisdom capital, what would you offer as like gentle advice for folks who are coming up, who are, are willing to make the trade? of sleep for dreams and, uh, and getting their dreams. Um, it's going to be a little corny, but excuse me. The first thing that comes to mind is, uh, the Nike line, just do it. Literally, um, as simple as that. If you have a thought and it's within your means to do that thought, just do it. I know you can't just open up a recording studio tomorrow. But if you have been practicing in your bedroom for a year and a half and you have all the equipment, maybe you can just do it. I really think the worst place for people to live is in a place of comfort, even though that's what we all kind of want. But I don't want to say it for entirety of life, but if you're trying to, if you have goals and aspirations, don't be comfortable because that's not the way to get to those goals and aspirations. The way to get to your goals and aspirations is by basically getting extremely uncomfortable and then finding your comfort in that space by learning. Go out there, fail 10 times, get it right the 11th time, and then rinse, repeat. All right, boom, I learned how to do this. Oh, okay, I got a DBA, but didn't realize that wasn't shit, and I actually need an LLC. You know what I mean? Like little things like that. Like I, Ivy was an DBA for I think six, seven years. And then I was like, oh wow, I should probably LLC that because it's really nothing. Like 
it's it's an it's a name it's not an entity you know like things like that like just do it like but i learned these types of things like about llcs and stuff by like opening up a networking business i didn't know how to do a lot of this music business stuff um get insurance you know talk to lawyers things like that so i Got in a really uncomfortable spot, went to a bar, uh, Thirsty Buffalo. This was in 2012 or 13. And I talked to the guy real quick and I, I forget the gentleman's name at the time. And I was like, hey, can I uh, rent this spot out on like a random Tuesday? I want to just have a bunch of different creative types come together. And I had the very first creative uh, networking event. Nice. And it was like 20, 30, you know, DJs, rappers, recording engineers, producers and things like that. It's all just come together. And like, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I just wanted to get those types of people together just to like mash ideas, get in the same like, you know, headspace. And that's kind of why I think I am where I am at today because of things like that. Like the building Buffalo thing, I needed to find a recording studio and I couldn't find a recording studio. I had this networking group from that networking group. Somebody was like, hey, you're looking for a space? I got you. Dumb question, but do you just feel like you're stacking towers, kind of thing? Yes. So it does it. So it, it it does feel incremental. It's not like you're just jumping into the entirety of this process. It's one step at a time, right? For sure, it's just definitely okay. a slow process. Persistence is key. Um, definitely. Get uncomfortable. Don't be afraid to get uncomfortable. And when things look bad, stick at it. Keep going forward. Don't look back. Just keep going forward and stay at it. Truly. You'll get there if you don't quit. A lot of people quit and that's why they're not here. And I can truly say like a lot of the people that like I started doing this with and not to say it's wrong, you know, some of them have kids and things like I don't have kids. So I don't have to like, I don't have anybody relying on me like that. You know, like me and my girl are good. Like we both own our own businesses. I don't have that kind of a responsibility. So like I get that. But like a lot of my friends have had to quit the music world in whole to, you know, go sell cars or do, you know, stuff that, is a job, not what the guy, I'm sure he didn't wake up one day and say, I want to sell cars at blah, blah for my life, you know, which right. is not wrong, No, but, but it's just, you know what I mean? Well, right, I mean, when, when you have yeah. to change, you know, when you have to, you have this creative desire to work within this field and make it, you know, what, what funds your life, but also allows you to explore the creative things that you enjoy. But, it's not bringing in enough money and you have to go and pick something way outside of your, you know, way outside of your field, way outside of like where you're trying to head just to make sure that you cover your basis and you can eat. Right. Like that's, that's tough. You know, it's, it's not fun to be like, yeah, I'm going to do this job. You know, that's totally not what I'm into, but it's going to keep me afloat, you know, and it's going right. to take away time from my creativity, but at least I'll still be able to eat and do some creativity, you know, creativity. absolutely. And that's like, I even, for a point in time, like, I had a job working at, a, what's that place called? Parkside Candies. I was making oh, yeah, chocolate. Yeah, yeah. You know, go make chocolate, covered in chocolate, come home, shower real quick, and boom, right to the recording closet. <laughs> it wasn't a booth, but, you know, how we start off. You got yeah. a little room and go in Take the closet, the bro. I got you. Yeah. Spin around here, yeah. Put the blanket on the door. Like, that type of stuff. But that goes to that whole, I'm quiet down, are you willing I'm to lose sleep? Yeah. You got to have, like, yeah, I'm, I was willing to lose sleep to A, work on the job that brought me a paycheck so I could pay my rent and eat, but then also work on the thing that I, like, really wanted to do and had aspirations of, like, 
doing for like a life goal type thing. You know what I mean? So it's I don't know. Give, give what you're willing, and and you'll get you'll get something back. Yeah, hopefully. Exactly. Hopefully. Um, all right. Well, that's, I believe that's all our time. Yeah, that's all, that's all the time we have. Beautiful. Uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight. This was a wonderful conversation. Uh, boom, bam, bam. <laughs> Re- really looking forward to seeing what other, uh, work comes out of the, the studio. We'll be sure to include, uh, uh, upcoming projects, releases, or events in the blurb. Um, and with that, I'm Devin Mullen. And I'm Mike Shamil. This has been Beats Anonymous, Brennanite Hall of Bridge Studios, and this is the 8th Note Sessions. We'll catch you next time. This episode's featured song is Blessed by Beats Anonymous, featuring Camino and Sky Zoo. Out of respect for myself, couldn't settle for less. I could have been dead, but a nigga blessed. I'm blessings up, blessings up, but no room for error. Get your movement together and get them moving forever. Blessings up, blessings up, but no room for error. Down to move at whoever, no one mover can catch us. Blessings up, blessings up, no room for error though. Blessings up, blessings up, no room for error though. Blessings up, blessings up, no room for error though. The eighth note sessions are produced by Music Is Art. Our co-hosts are Devin Mullen and Michael Shamil. Editing by Michael Shamil. The executive director is Tracy Fletcher. Our program director is Sarah Elizabeth Shaw. You can help programs like this keep going by donating today at musicisart.org. Thanks for listening.